This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Jan Chenez, and we have a very special guest. It is Robert Wilson, phone legend. He's on for this episode to do a basically an in-depth interview, just like we did with Gordon. We are now doing with Rob. This should be fun. Giannis is going to be taking over the show once again. But before we do anything else, I want to first welcome back Giannis to the show. Giannis, this is your second interview, back-to-back weeks. Are you looking forward to this? Absolutely. It takes me back to when I actually had hair <laughs> on the top of my head, um, which actually, if I'd had hair, I probably would have lost hair uh, in light of the season we just had. But yes. uh, it was wonderful doing the interview with Ivor and Robbo for this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, I'm really curious to hear Robbo's views on a couple of things, a couple of questions that I got. Okay. And uh if you are watching live, and if you're not, it's probably my fault because I scheduled this during the Euro, so that's a Goldman to start off the show. But if you're watching live, feel free to share a comment and a question for Rob, and we just might get to that at the end of the show. All right, but before we do anything else, obviously got to, got to welcome Rob back to the show. Rob, thank you so much for doing this. Are you looking forward to it? Yes, very much so. Good, good evening, Russ. Good evening, Yanis. Yeah, uh, very much so. Looking, I did watch Gordon's uh, episode last week. Yeah, were well, quite interesting. As, as I said off air, there was a few things I learned by uh, yeah. watching his show. How he got scouted. How he got, um, you know, how we end. How we ended up at Fulham. You know, as players right. and that. I suppose when you welcome new players, you, you just, <clears throat> you just expect them to come from the current club, or you don't know how they've got to that situation, and right. etc. So yeah, we're very interesting. So yeah, I'm sure uh, mine will be just as good. Okay, and uh, I'm sure it will. But before we get going, I do have to mention this. We did learn one thing from Gordon's episode, Rob, because you did have a question for him, and he actually said that he 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 actually did pay for a round. Oh, did he? Well, I must have been. I mustn't have been there that night because I think he's never bought me a drink in, in, in ten or twelve years I worked with him. Well, he told the story. He told the story about it. He told the story. I just, just remember, he is Welsh as well. 
Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay. Very, very, very good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get going. I'm turning it over to Giannis. So, Giannis, it's all yours, my friend. <clears throat> well, Robbo, first and foremost, uh, happy belated. I know you, you celebrated a very special birthday um, last week. And, yeah, uh, on Saturday, yeah, the big six yeah. hour, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. it was, it, it was, uh, yeah, soon come around. I, I don't feel like 60, some mornings I do, but uh, I did feel like that on Sunday morning after the, the Saturday uh, alcohol intake. But I yeah, bet, but, uh, I bet you did. I bet, I bet you and, did. And many best wishes from Fulham fans all around the world. It was, uh, it was quite touching, really. Good stuff and, and well deserved. Now, um, we've had 19 days since uh, the Newcastle fun. And then when I interviewed Ivor last week, I talked about that we hadn't had the uh, release lists yet from, from the club, but then they released them last Friday, which was great. Then there was some information sort of dribbling through about season tickets, which always gets on everybody's goat. But there'd been basically the witness protection radio silence from the ownership until Wednesday. And Shade Khan on Wednesday decided to, as he put it, pen a statement. He penned a statement about the upcoming season and what have you. And I want—I was curious because the social media um, response to his um, uh, to his letter was swift, and it was sharp, and uh, it was pretty negative. So I'm curious, Robo, what your perspectives are on what transpired or what has transpired since the end of the season, and uh, where you believe we are right now. And let's not forget—I think we're what two weeks away from the fixture list coming out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the communication from Fulham is not the best at the best of times. We, we, we're very guarded with our, and rightly so, probably from 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 within. Sometimes within our injuries throughout a season, that 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 may be a a club policy that they do try to keep uh, that sort of information uh, from the media and and from fans build going into games each week. So we've never been one for a forthcoming with uh, giving out information willy nilly. But yeah, since since. Um, you know, since the the relegation day and, 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 and no announcement as such as to Scott's position and Scott's uncertainty, I'm sure himself. I, I understand he's gone on a family holiday. He's back now. Um, but, you know, it, it must be, uh, unless they have had words behind the scenes, it's not come to light that we don't know nothing about all the rumours this last sort of six, seven days with linking in with Bournemouth. There may be some truth in that. We don't know, you know. So, um yeah, it's disappointing, and obviously then the top boss, Mr. Shade, kind of comes out obviously with his statement, and as we as we alluded to just off air, there, I mean, season tickets are going on sale. People are putting their money where their mouth is, and we really don't know who's going to be uh, head honcho in terms of looking after the squad to to try and get back up again. So it would be nice if some kind of statement come out, either Scott staying or he's going. And, and as you say, we're two weeks away from probably getting the fixtures. And we're probably only two or three weeks away from the squad starting a pre-season again. You know what I mean? They would have had the four, five, six weeks in another few weeks. And, you know, it's it's just a little bit uncertainty. Um, you know, we'll be no different than any other club out there. But as personal Fulham fans, we feel that we're hard done by and we don't get the uh, the communication uh, that we should do that comes through. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's it's been typical Fulhamish, as I would say, in, in, in this capacity. Do you think, Rob, though, it, and it is curious that the, there are a number of Premier League teams that are still looking for coaches, and I'm wondering if the ownership right now are looking hesitantly at what's happening above in terms of the difficulty the clubs are having getting coaches about perhaps 
the need to maintain stability moving forward into the championship season. It's great. It's always the sexy idea of, well, we, we can change our manager. But as we can see from other clubs, they're having real difficulties. There's, there's a huge merry-go-round going in. Yeah. And perhaps there's an argument there to maintain some sort of stability, even though a lot of fans are, are not, as we talked about off-air, they're not comfortable with Scott. It's split down the middle. But I wonder whether they're maybe maybe mulling over just keeping it uh, as um, the status quo moving forward into this yeah. year and hence the lack of communication. Yeah, I, I mean... From I'll put my cards on the table. I, I I want Scott to stay, and I, I'll stand by what I've said all season, and I've done for for the last few seasons. I, I do stand by him. I just want some kind of a surety that the director of football, whether it's going to be Tony Khan or a another, that the relationship that Scott will have with him on a day to day basis, whether it be in the UK or if he's still going to be American based, if it is Tony, then that needs to be a lot smoother and a lot a lot more in in tangent of a DIOF and a, and, a, and a manager of a head coach of a club in, in terms of what they're trying to do. So, um, you know, I really do think if they've had words and uh, and they know that they're going to be head head coach and director of football, the pair of them, then that should come out. If it's still a bit in, up in the air, as you say, because there's loads of ma- manager merry-go-rounds and, you know, that will filter down from premiership down to championship, Um then again, you know, they may be just holding their cards, you know, to, to see what's happening. But, you know, I, for one, would want Scott to stay. And, and as we, uh, I'm sure we'll allude to later on, if, if Russ divulges the uh, the poll stats, um, there's plenty of Fulham fans out there that are on the right side of Scott saying. But there needs to be some clarity how we're going to be changing, both in the way Scott deals with the day-to-day dealings with the DOF and his policy on being allowed to get players, buy players, rather than just get loan players to get us up and and, and, and do do the yo-yo, which we've done for up and down for the last sort of three stroke, four years. So I think Scott is probably as frustrated as a Fulham fan or as a Fulham employee as the tens of thousands of us and around the country and the world that are in the same boat. Well, I do have the results, guys, and here are the results of the poll. And the poll was, do you want Scott Parker to be the head coach of Fulham for the upcoming season? There were 746 votes. So this is a good amount of of votes from the Fulham supporters. Yes was at 54%, Rob. No was at 46%. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me in in one way. Uh, I'm sure it may surprise a few of the Fulham fans that voted. They don't want him. uh, To say, well, why would the Fulham fans who do want him, what do they see in Scott to... To, to give him another opportunity to um, get us back into the Premiership or, you know, at least stabilise the club, depending if we can get back up there that first, uh, this time round again, depending on, you know, the money investment he gets from from the from from the board. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's nice stats. And I'm sure Scott, if he's listening, he'll be, he'll be glad, he'll be glad to, to listen to them stats anyway. Yeah, you're always going to get, I mean, look, you're always going to get naysayers, I understand that. But if you look, I mean, you cast your mind back to, you know, when we had the the Ranieri disaster and um, then the comment, the yo-yo comment is just something you can't take back. No. It doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> um, and I think that, um, I'm sure that Scotty's head might have been turned here and there. 
but other clubs are struggling. And let's not and let's not forget, um, you know, the um, the the umbrella, the parachute payments as well. I think that's a huge. You're going to see a real impact in our division this year with teams like Swansea City that's suddenly going to run out of money, and mm. the pandemic has had huge effects on a lot of clubs, and. Um, we're actually in a very good position financially if we get it right because of the umbrella payments. And that in itself should be, I think, incentive enough to want to stick around if the ownership can provide him with the backing. But as you said, Robbo, they've got to give him the backing. They've got to get him a director of scouting. The director of football, well, that's another story for another day. Um, and get it right and do it early instead of sending out ticket season ticket thingies and then those little snippets that we'll get in a week or two about all oh, the uniforms are coming in. The fans don't care. We want to know what's going on because the season before you know it will be upon us. So it's, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and we've, we've been guilty over the last sort of two or three pre-seasons of, you know, panic buying on, on, on the last day and getting three, four, five in and doing all our business late on as opposed to early on in the season. Yeah. Yeah, but on the bright side, I suppose maybe John Michel Seri will play for us this year, but then maybe not. We can we can always pray the other way. Um, Italy against Turkey today, so the Euros have started. Robbo, we're all sitting excited. Uh, England's first game is Sunday um, against Croatia. Chance to exact some revenge from the World Cup semis. Um, squad's been out. They picked five billion players. They trimmed it down to thirty-six or whatever it is. Curious to know your thoughts um, on on this squad. Um, players that you might have had in and how you think England might do in this tournament? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, I think Gareth, again, has done, a, has done a fabulous job there over the last few years. He's he's, he's blooded some youngsters of, of late, um, the likes of Foden and Sancho and Bellingham. And, you know, he, he's had Mount. He's gone through the under-21s for years. So he'll, he'll know a few of these players that have matured into first-team players now. On paper, yeah, I think we've got, we're very good going forward. I'm, I'm a bit worried about the defensive side of it. You know, when you've got Tyrone Mings or Stones or, you know, as your two centre-halves or Maguire you know, <laughs> if he's not going to be fit. And then you're having yeah. to play. I've heard on TalkSport today that they might be playing three at the back. It'll be Walker, right-side centre-half, Stones, and then Luke Shaw, left-side centre-half, and then play two wing-back, you know. You're not going to win a, a Euros with them three players as your your three defenders as such. You know what I mean? I know they may play that system for their clubs, um, but I think that's a bit different than playing against a, a West Brom or a Southampton when you're playing Croatia or or even Scotland. It'll be a difficult game uh, mm -hmm. because of just the the nature of the game. But on paper, I like I like the look of some of the forward thinking players in Grealish and and, and Foden and. You know, Sterling needs to come to the to, to the forefront. He's had a poor back end of the season for Man City and was dropped. Rashford the same, I think, looked tired towards the end of the season. So I think there's enough in the locker going forward, but I just fear for us defensively. It's, full-backs are not too bad, but I just think the two centre-halves or three, whoever he plays in, whatever system he plays, would worry me, I think, um, when you, as the later you go in the tournament against the good teams. It's interesting, Robbo, because the, um, Tyrone Mings had played two exhibition games last week and he was terrible. And um, when Trent Alexander-Arnold went down, you know, there was a lot of suspicion about who was going to come up. One of the names was was um, James Ward-Prowse. And James Ward-Prowse is the best dead ball hitter we've got in the country, I, I, yeah. I think. Um, but 
Mings was so poor in those games that he brought in Ben White. And I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, I actually think he's a very good player. But you're right. When you talk about Tyrone Mings, um, Harry Maguire scares the bejeevers out of me. I mean, mm. he really he really does. It's like being chased by a lion down a high street. And, and, and as good as Stones is on the ball, he's always got a mistake in him. I mean, he's, yes, cut he him out a little, he's cut him out a little bit this season for Man City and had a little bit more consistency. But you know in 90 minutes you're always going to have a chance with him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a it is a little scary. I mean, it's a, I think it's a group we should come out of. I mean, I think I, I agree with yeah. you. Scotland's going to be tough. Croatia's going to be a, a, a cat and mouse one first game. The Czechs, I think we should we should be able to handle. But um, I'm wondering if we missed a trick with Ward Prowse because Ward Prowse is is really our modern 2021 Beckham. I mean, if he takes a free kick, you know where it's going to go. He takes a corner kick. The level of spin that he puts yeah. on the ball is just scary. Yeah, yeah, I like I like it. I mean, to be fair, I, I like the look. People like Mount, you know, Mount's got that sort of up his locker as well. He, you know, he's he's pretty technically good on corners, free kicks. And and to be fair to him, and, and probably not a lot of England fans will probably see a lot of him, Calvin Phillips is technically very good as well. And, you know, in terms of, of striking a ball or, or, or free kicks, corners, he, he takes them all for leads, obviously, whether he's going to get that... Um, that mantle in, in an England side, if he if he starts, then I wouldn't have thought. But, you know, when the likes of Grealish and, and Mount, um, we should have enough in there if, we, if we're relying on dead balls situations, whether it be free kicks, corners or or, or even penalties if, if Harry's not starting or injured or whatever. Um, but, yeah, he's, he, he's a backup player that technically is very good and sometimes teams take players like that as they do squad players just mm-hmm. to have them there as a... You know, you may use them in in, in some capacity in a game. Yeah, and it's, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. I'm I'm looking forward to. I I don't even know the favourite's going to be. Many people are saying France, but I think. I mean, even if you look at the weakest team on paper, North Macedonia, they're not a bad side by any means. And I think there's there are a lot of teams that 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 could really surprise in this. Um, so yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. I think, with, I think with the current climate, the way the world football's gone in the last twelve months, and the inconsistency, and no fans, and uh, and the longevity of playing and not really having a big break, it, it could affect a few of the fancy teams. You, you know, they just may not be, you know, fit enough to see a tournament like this through. You know, because some of the teams like like our league have, didn't really have a lot of um, rest last summer, so they've just nope. played right through. You know, nope. um, so it'll be interesting. It's obviously uh, the next fifty-one games throughout the next four or five weeks will. Um, It'd be, it'd be a nice um, a nice Philip to have because we missed out last summer on it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Wall-to-wall soccer. Just loving it here. Even here in Canada, <laughs> we've got Canada's just made the second round of the uh, the World Cup playoffs. They, they play yeah. their first game against Haiti tomorrow. They've got a home and home. And if they win that, then they go to the Octagon, which is what they got for CONCACAF. So they'll have the US, Mexico, Costa Rica, Jamaica. So Canada's team actually has got the, the luxury of having this Alfonso Davis, who you've probably all heard of, Plays for Bayern Munich, who's absolutely sensational. I'd say a version of Gareth Bale, and he's only twenty, and um, yeah. very, very scary to watch. And um, so, that, so lots of wall-to-wall soccer. I'm going to take you back yeah. a few decades, Rob. You, you start your two terms, like I have, you had two terms at, at the club. Um, but I'd be curious to know before you joined Fulham in '79. Um, in terms of schoolboy, um, how did that look in terms of tryouts and how did you get your big break with, with the club? Um, well, I actually, well, I signed apprentice in 77 when I was 16 
Um, I actually was on schoolboy forms with Fulham from the age of 14. Used to train at a school up in Putney, come there somewhere. I uh, can't remember the name of the school, but um, I actually got spotted playing for uh, Sands United, which is my sort of under, under 11, under 12 team in Fulham. Uh, played in uh, Erlingham Park there. Um, going back many, many years by John, Johnny Abley, God rest his soul. He's, um, he was the manager. Um, so, yeah, that was my first route. I'd had a couple of trials with, I hate to say it, someone like Brentford when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did have to grace their pitch when I was a 12-year-old playing in a couple of trial games. Not many Fulham fans will probably thank me for that. But, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, once I got to 14 and signed for Fulham, then that was it. I was... I was playing for London district schools. My, my my secondary school was St Edmunds Catholic School in Hammersmith, um, and I was representing West London schools. And we had a very good team at that time. We had Clive Allen, we had Wally Downs, we had we had a lot of players that went on to Mark Lovell, who ended up being uh, following with me. Um, we had some well, lots of players in that group all made it to, to professional uh, throughout the years, which was quite touching. Um, so at 14, yeah, signing for Fulham was um, a schoolboy forms, trained once a week, played a few trial games, still represented by Sunday side, which is totally opposite of what academy football does now. Um, and then it was quite interesting. I, it, it was getting to six. I was doing my exams at school and, and Fulham were going on an end of season tour with the youth team to Germany, to Ilversheim. Um, and they offered me a place to go on that. And at that stage, I think it was round about the sort of, April, maybe an Easter, something like that. Um, and at that stage, I still hadn't had a yes or a no whether they were offering me an apprenticeship in in that June, July of that summer. Um, and I had, I had obviously, I was going to miss some exams over it. So my mum told me I couldn't go. But then my dad, who obviously followed me all over the country in my career, um, said, right, well, you can go. Um, you know, you can do your exams at another time. Consequently, went to the tournament uh, with Fulham Youth Team. Had a, had a great tournament, stayed with German kids, families and all that. We, we won the tournament um, and then I scored a hat-trick uh, as well in one of the games. And then eventually when I got back, uh, it was two weeks after we got back, I got a letter in the post to say that they were offering me a, a, an apprenticeship on July the 1st for two years. So um, it was a good decision by my dad to make sure that I did miss my RE, uh, RE exam and uh, one of my English uh, mocks. So um it, it was the right decision, and uh, I always wind my mum up even now. God bless her. She's 84. I she still lives in Fulham. Um, so it was the best decision Dad ever made that day, making me go to uh, that tournament. So I um, went on to obviously start my career at Fulham as a 16-year-old. Um, and uh, in 77, we still had the likes of George Best and Rodney Marsh still on the books, you know. So then two years of being an apprentice and round the – changing rooms around the training grounds of people like them was um was like um it was like a not i wouldn't say a comedy because of the media speculation of george and uh, and rodney there every day there was always something going on um so that was a two-year learning experience of you know looking up to some very um well-established names as well as probably youngsters like Tony Gale, who was a, you know, a year, 18 months older than me, but he was obviously breaking into the first team at 16, 17 himself, you know? Um, so that, 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 that was a, you know, that was an eye opener. And then, as you say, 79 turning professional uh, after my two year um, scholarship or apprenticeship, as they called it in them days. 
I managed to get offered a two-year contract to, to become professional. Um, Bobby Campbell was manager. Um, um, and obviously, uh, in the January of the following year, in 1980, he, he, uh, we were playing away at um, Blackburn in the FA Cup. And Howard Kendall was manager for, um, for Blackburn. And he pulled me aside the day before and says, Rob, you're making your debut tomorrow. I said, I want you to man-mark Howard Kendall. Just follow him everywhere. He's their playmaker and stop stop him playing. So we went to Blackburn and played in the game. Obviously, it was a cold, horrible day up there. Uh, and we drew nil-nil. And obviously, I did my job because he didn't influence the game. And we'd, we'd gotten back to the cottage. I think it was either the following week or the week after that. Um, I didn't play in the second game at home. Um, but I went on to have probably that season, probably another 14, 15 games. He dipped me in and out uh, at certain stages. Um, before he eventually obviously got the sack and, and, and the change around of, of, of Malcolm coming in for, you know, the season 80, 81, going into uh, to the next few years, as, as no doubt we'll go on to talk about. Yeah, and, you know, looking back, that really starting in 80 was that, I call it the golden period, because it really was that that team was, I mean, you can rattle off the names, we can all rattle off the names, we still remember the Oscar kits. We still remember that four-one up at St James's Park. Uh, just, just an, an incredible six years, and just the, the style of we played. And we didn't get our share of luck as well as, as we all know. How would you, um, how would you um, assess that first six-year term at Fulham, um, especially under Malcolm McDonald? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was the most, the best part of my career. Uh, then. Th- I would say that you know, the four years of from 82, 83 season of accumulating in the Lincoln game for the first game of the season. And <coughs> I say going on to the following season and playing the type of football we did. I mean, again, Ray Arford, one of the best coaches I've ever worked with, God rest his soul. You know, he was the first coach that I know of in of that time and that area to introduce what we call the diamond system. You know, you would have Ray Lewis at the, uh, the, uh, the pivot I'd be at the top and we'd have Sean O'Driscoll and Ray out and you know that's where Ray introduced that and uh, back in sort of eight, early 80s and you know obviously it's gone on to be a, a terminology that's probably used a lot more someone actually said to me yesterday said Who, you know did, did, was there a false number nine in your day has, has Pep's just introduced I said no that's a new Pep terminology the false nine Um so yeah, it, it, I mean, it was a it was a great time to be, you know, the football we played, the one and two touch, and the goals we scored, and you know, the the crowd started to come back. We were, you know, we were good on the eye. The team picked itself every week. You know, you very rarely were, unless there was an injury, you could name our eleven every week. You know, he kept it fairly uh, fluid and solid. Did Malcolm and, and Ray, um, you know, and obviously we had two really good years on the trot. Again, as well as much as the Lincoln game was a great game to be to be part of, the following season the Derby game was the worst day of my life ever. So you know, I I would say it's ups and downs in in them two in them two seasons. Uh, more ups and downs, but uh, obviously we all would have wished the the up to be a, a further up if the Derby game, because I'm sure if we'd have gone up to the Premiership or the First Division as it was them days with that squad, we would have graced our own most definitely because we gave the likes of Liverpool and, and other first division sides that we'd played over that two year period, you know, we'd gave them good games and we were, we were still fairly young, many of us. Um, and we were still maturing, 
uh, and there were no fear, you know, when, you know, you pick up Ray Alton from West Ham, who goes on, went on to have a fantastic career, but Fulham, Fulham set him on that journey, you know, we're, we're picking him up and giving him the opportunity to play week in, week out, which he, he, he flourished with. But yeah, the disappointing fact is that that team would never have, you know, they would never have looked out of sorts in the first division that following season if, we, if we'd have, if we'd have done what we should have done. And I, I don't, I always say to uh, um, to Fulham fans, and when I talk to them on 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 concourses all around the country, when I'm talking, they love talking about the old days. And when we blew it way before that, you know, we blew, we should have we should have wrapped it up before the derby game. You know, if we'd have got the point at home against Leicester or even beat them, we'd you know we were twelve points clear with six games to go. You know what I mean? It was it was our own fault. Whether it was. Um, a lack of, you know, everyone talks about Dean Coney and the missed chances and Andy Thomas. And um, it was, it, it was, we always felt that we could overcome it. But it, as the games got, we were running out of games. We just, you know, you came to the Derby game with, with an ultimate sort of, you need to win and hope that results go your way the other way. And it just didn't mature. I mean, I, I remember scoring it against, Sheffield Wednesday on the bank holiday and, and and then Mick Lyon scored in the last minute to equalise and then we went to QPR on the bank holiday Monday on the plastic pitch. Ray Lou got sent off and we got battered by him. We got played off the park and then we played Carlisle at home and then had to win that to give ourselves a chance. So, yeah, there was lots of ups and downs. Obviously, lots of the games still still uh, bounce up on the, the big match revisited on TV recently. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few on there that, that always it's always... Always heartbreaking to watch some of the games where you think, oh, if only, if only, you know. But um, listen, there were great times. I was a Fulham boy. To play for your local team was has always been, you know, high up there on my uh, my list of uh, of honours of to say that yeah, I represented my home side, and you know, for that I'm 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 very thankful that uh, you know I'm still still liked and still asked back, and you know and because many, many have played for them and not. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of the very privileged few that do get, you know, do get rewarded with, you know, uh, tickets or, you know, if I asked for a ticket, it's it's never turned down. And I still have a rapport with many of the, um, many people who probably, you know, don't work there now, but, um, you know, I still see around over, over the years. So, so, yeah, very good. Thank you. In 85, though, Robbo, you left. Um and it's funny because looking at your career and, and Ivers, and it, it mirrors it's in, you mirror each other in many, many ways. Um, you, you both left the club for a couple of years, and you went to a couple of other clubs. You went to, to I believe, you went to, to Luton, and then you went to Millwall. Um, no, I went to Millwall first, and then to Millwall Luton. first, then Luton. Right now, what were the circumstances of your departure in seven, in eighty five? Um, well, I think after the eighty three eighty four season, um, obviously, you know, the likes of Obviously, Tony Gale went first. He went to West Ham. And then, you know, players started to drift. Or you could see players were coming to the end of their contracts. Um, and obviously, they got an opportunity. And to be fair, Fulham weren't the best paid players in them days. You know, there was obviously in the two or three years that we'd all endured getting some publicity. You know, we, there was plenty of clubs tapping on the door for um, many of the many of the players. And, um, yeah, it was a case of, uh, I think Ray Lou went to Sheffield United, Ray Alton went to Oxford. You know, we were all leaving in and around the sort of same time. And I just thought at the time it was an opportunity to see, is the grass greener on the other side? Um, 
and I did talk to to to, to a number of clubs, and obviously Millwall being one of them, George Graham. Um, although they had a very poor history with off the field, uh, I I liked the idea of working with a with a coach uh, who I heard was very good, and consequently, when I did go there, I found out he was he was very very good. Um, um, but I only had one season there, and I, I scored twelve goals in thirty six games, and. George left at the end of that first season. I'd signed a three-year contract um, and he left and went to Arsenal. So left me like, uh, I missed the last sort of six games with a hernia injury and we had some characters in that team. We had John Fashionew, we had um, Teddy Sheridan came through. We sold Fash at the end of that season on deadline day. I think it must have been in March or April. We sold Fash to Wimbledon and then Teddy came in at 18 to make his debut, an 18-year-old. And... Um, um, Razor Ruddock, who was there, uh, Razor was an apprentice when I were there. They sold him to Tottenham as part of the deal. Um, so yeah, there were some characters there. Um, and like I say, it was a, an experience to um, not forget both on the pitch and off it. Um, and I, I was living in Berkshire, traveling around to Dartford every day to the training ground. It was like a four hour journey, two hours there, two hours back. And yeah, it wasn't the best experience of my life. Um, and then, unfortunately, the new manager came in, which was a Scottish guy called John Doherty, um, some little Scotch guy. I won't, I won't <laughs> swear on air, but um, <laughs> and I think because I was, I was on decent money. I was a top-paid player there. Obviously, when I went from Fulham, I, I, I demanded a, a quite a, a sizable wage for that type of year, that, that type of time. Um, and he saw that I was still had two years. I'd just scored twelve in thirty-six games. All right, I'd missed the last five, six of games. But he made it he made it clear to me in pre-season that, you know, he wanted me out of the club for whatever reason, other than um I thought it must be because he didn't like the way I played or he didn't like the wage structure I was on. So he made my life hell for four or five weeks in pre-season and he um he said that I'd feigned injury the last six games of that season, and uh, so it was, it was a love-hate relationship. So I couldn't even see him that side of the, uh, the manager's office. He was that small when you go in. I, 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 asked, <laughs> I asked him to stand up, but um, but so yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Ray Arthur had phoned me personally and said, "Oh, yeah, you're not happy, Rob." He said, um, "You know, I'm at Luton, you know, first division. I'm assistant manager. John Moore had just taken over from David Plea." Ray had gone there as first team coach. Me and Ray had got on very well. And he said, "Do you fancy coming?" I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely." Um, and then obviously um, Crystal Palace as well. Um, Stevie Coppel had been in touch, so I met both of them at the talks and all that. And then I got the phone call from the doc and said, um, oh, "One of your old pals has um, done you a favour. We've agreed a fee. You can come and collect all your gear, and you, you can go and sign for Luton." So. You know, it was all done in, in a few weeks, in first week, uh, end week in August, going into the first week of September. But, but um, so, yeah, that was uh, it was nice to get away. Um, I, I always say to Millwall fans, listen, I did my job. I scored 12 goals in 36 games for a centre midfield player. And I was a, I was their type of player because I, I did put my foot in as well. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, they, they liked that type of player that got stuck in at Millwall. So, I actually got on well with most folk, you know, off the pitch as well as on it. But um, it wasn't a very good experience for my family. My mum and dad didn't enjoy going there because, you know, it was very intimidating and 
we didn't lose many games at home, but the odd one or two that we might not have played as well, it was the abuse you'd get from the stand, even if I, some guy was slagging me off one day and I wasn't even playing. I was down sitting in the behind the dugout and my dad was with my, my brother up in the complimentary season. This guy was lambasting me, obviously looked at the programme, saw number eight, Wilson. He, he, he lambasted me for so much in the first half. My dad followed him to the toilet half time, <laughs> strung him up against the wall and said, listen, he said, you don't know nothing about football. Robert Wilson ain't even playing. He's sitting six rows in front of you. So, um, so that was, uh, that was uh, my, my dad and my, uh, my brother's experience of um, dealing with a couple of the, uh, the so-called Millwall heartaches. But yeah, so then going on to Luton, it was nice to go in the first division, going in some, some, you know, I was still fairly young there, going to some major players there in Brian Steen, Steve Foster, Mal Donaghy, Peter Nicholas, David Priest, wow. God rest his soul, and Ricky Hill. Um, you know, so there was there were a real established team. Les Seeley in goal, again, God rest his soul, a couple of, of passed away in that team. And playing on a plastic pitch regular was um was was um I wouldn't say it was fun, but it was different. Um, but we had a great season. I scored on my debut against Southampton against Peter Shilton. I scored a header from from the penalty spot, which was uh, which was nice at home. Um, and it, it, you know, it was it was an enjoyable time. The eighteen months I had there um, went a little bit. Not I wouldn't say it went a bit sour towards the the, the reason I left in the end. I, I didn't I didn't fall out with Ray because Ray ended up being manager as such the following season. He took over as manager and he said, because the games I played, it, it was always me that got substituted. It was too easy for them to take me off rather than one of the, the so-called big boys. Um, so it was um, the following season we played, it was Blackburn away, I think. And Mick Harford got sent off after about 10 minutes. So Ray had to take, took me off after 12 minutes and re jogged the side and so obviously you look forward to pre-season. So yeah, yeah, and then like said to me, he said, "Don't worry, Rob. You'll be playing on Tuesday. We're playing Southampton, I think, at home. Anyway, again, we're playing Southampton at home, and um, I think uh, crowd were getting on his back a bit. We were drawing nil nil, and they wanted to bring on Mark Steen. I think it must have been. Anyway, I'd had it in my mind. I thought, well, if he takes me off again here tonight, uh, all weekend I was livid. I thought, well, that's it. I'm going to lose my temper anyway." Unfortunately for me uh, and for him, he did. When I saw number, I was I was wearing number ten that game, and when I saw the ten come up, I, I just gave him the um, the gesture that I shouldn't have done, um, and I just walked towards the tunnel. Um, and then obviously the chairman weren't happy. The chairman had me in after the game, and had Ray in the next day. And said, "Oh yeah, that was out of order what he did, and he's not going to play for the club again." Blah blah blah. And so it was a downward spiral there. And I, I apologise to Ray. And uh, to this day, it was it was a silly mistake. I, but it was something that had built up all from the previous Saturday game that I got substituted after 12 minutes. And, you know, and again, I was the person taken off on, on, on the next home game when he was under a bit of pressure. But I did go on to play a few more games. He, he did he did ask me to play at Chelsea. There was one game where they had loads of injuries about four or five weeks later and he stood by. He said, "Listen, Robert. He said, I'm, I, I'm, I need you to play at Chelsea. Will you play?" I said, "Yeah, I'll play. No problem." I said, "But don't get the sack over it because the chairman said that I'm not going to play again." He said, "Oh no, I'll stand by my decision. If I want you to play, you'll play." Anyway, I played at Chelsea for him, and um, we drew one all. 
Uh, and again, I played well. I did all right. Ray didn't get the sack over that incident, which was good because he went on to stay there. Um, and then Ray Luke got Ray Luke was obviously back at Fulham as player manager, and he he got wind that you know that the, there was a, a little bit of an incident and there was a bit of unhappiness. And he said to, he rang me and said, "Do you want to come back?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." Obviously, Ray Luke was a personal friend as well as a a teammate back previously, and then he would took it over the club in difficult circumstances. Um, so I went back there the second time in September 87. Um, for them two years then when obviously Jimmy Hill was uh, overseeing things, he was the chairman, Ray was player manager. Um, so yeah, them next two seasons, obviously ended up losing it the, the following season, as you'll probably remember. We lost to Bristol Rovers in, in, in the playoff semi-final, did well away, and then we lost 4-1 at home. Scotty got sent off. Um, so yeah, that was a, a, another disappointing part of the Fulham career. You know that we should have done better over them two games against Bristol to try and give us a, a, an opportunity to to get into playoff final. You know, um, but they always say it's never the same second time round, and I can vouch for that. Um, and the circumstances were difficult because the club was on its on its knees a little bit, and you know it was it was hard for Ray and a lot of things going on off the park. You know, it was a various as we all well know as supporters, there was a lot of a lot of uh, unrest going off the scenes and they did well to survive. But yeah, it was um, it's still another two years that I, I, I graced the, the Craven Cottage pitch, both uh, both uh, home and away, obviously, for, 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 for me to get another 80, 70, 80 games in. I don't know what I played in them two years, but yeah, it was just another, um, another feather in my cap, really, to say I represented my home team. Two two hundred and thirty four appearances in total, Robert. Forty two goals. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's, it's it's not it's nothing to be uh, shift at. It was no, you know, no, it was no, two no. hundred and thirty four, and in in this current climate, it would be good. With you know, back in them days, it was uh, you know it was hard to um, you know to, to to make sure you got 30, 40 games a season in. You know what I mean? If uh, especially the pitches we played on, as you well see. And, you know, I picked up an odd injury here and there, but most seasons I, I did get my fair quota of either games in, bookings or goals. I don't know which came first in them. <laughs> I think it would, have been, it, would have been, it would have been all even, to be honest. And I was, it's funny you were talking about, you know, Kenilworth Road and um, the plastic pitch. Obviously, Loftus Road had it. Um, Preston North End had it up at Deepdale. They had... Um, Oldham, yeah. Pitch. Yeah, Oldham, Oldham Boundary Park. And, and uh, for those fans listening and watching now, um, it wasn't like the, the modern-day pitches where the modern-day artificial pitches are absolutely spectacular. It was basically it was carpet laid on top, on top of concrete. So, yeah. I mean, it was it was just... The ball, it was, if, it, if, it ball, if a keeper kicked a ball and it bounced, it went, it went 30 or 40 foot in the air. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was, was um, rug burn and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, luckily the game has evolved where the best artificial pitches really aren't too different from grass. But um, no, no, yeah, very much so. But at least we get next year we get the chance to to, to bump into the the, um, the the Lions and the Hatters. Um, we're going to be in the same division, and uh, and Luton had a decent season last year, and Millwall always a, a good battle. And I do remember the old den. Um, it, it was one of the most intimidating stadiums you could ever go in as a fan. It, it's it's yes. um, and it's in it's uh, Bermondsey or it's Bermondsey Old Kent Road, and it's a very tough and poor area of London. 
Um, it, yeah, I went um, to watch Fulham. I went to watch Fulham there last season. So, well, the season before that. Uh, yeah, we uh, we got the train, me and my son from London, and then got off it, and then walking through that. So yeah, it was a bit eerie walking around all of them streets. Like, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's a little. It's a, I mean, they're, it's a blue collar area, and Millwall. You know, they've um, and they've had some very good players over their history, and uh, but it's uh, it's a very very intimidating place. Now you you spent um, eighty nine. You went up. Uh, I, I believe you went up to play for the Terriers, didn't? Did you not? After Huddersfield, I did, yeah, Huddersfield Town, yeah. Owen Hand was manager. Who was the Republic of Ireland Republic manager Ireland when manager, I represented? Yes. Under, yeah, I played for the under twenty ones. He was in charge of the full squad at the time. Uh, Terry Comroe was under twenty one manager. So I knew Owen briefly. I'd met him at a few uh, get together training squads through through Republic. Um, yeah, he contacted me, as did a few other clubs when I was out of contract. Ray Lou wanted me to sign. Uh, obviously, the terms were, by them days, Fulham were on their way out in terms of money and wages, and there were there were no signs of um, that improving at that stage. Um, so, yeah, I got the opportunity to, 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 to leave again um, in 89. Spoke to a few clubs um, and, and took the... Um, took the gamble of going to Huddersfield to the Southerner going to the North, uh, came up to have a look round, stayed a day or two, looked round, met the chairman, Keith Longbottom, and met, met Owen and his staff. And Peter Whiff was uh, assistant coach and playing. He was still playing. He was playing as well as uh, as first team coach. Um, and then decided to sign. So, you know, that's when I went from being a, a Londoner to a Northerner. And I've been in the North probably 31 years and 29 in, in, in London, but people still say I have, some people say my accent is Northern when I go to London from ex players or fans <laughs> or friends often. And then people up here think I'm still taught, taught Londonish. And then there's a, there's an element of people who say that I sound Australian. Oh God. <laughs> that okay. That's where, that's where you'd have to say, look, mate, I draw the line. I mean, not really. Yeah. Do I sound like a Roo? I don't think so. No, I mean, you no. can put up with so, the... so, yeah, so going to the north was, a, a, again, an eye-opener because most of us southerners don't go north of Watford is, is, yeah. is north. So, um, yeah, so to go up to um, Yorkshire was, um, was yeah, it was, it was nice at the time and it was it was a nice, good two years. Again, there was a few players there that I knew. Chris Hutchins, who ex-Chelsea play, were there. Um, Andy May were there, who I'd, I'd, I'd passed, uh, played against a few times. So, they had a decent squad and it was a quite a tradi- traditional club, you know, very well, uh, you know, a lot of history behind the club, which excited me. And I mean, had big plans. We had a fairly decent first season. And again, we missed out the following season by um, in the playoffs, uh, you know, just uh, falling short again. Um, so, yeah, ended up staying up there as a, as a northerner. And then I finished my career the following season and went to Rotherham where we won the uh, fourth division or got promoted from the fourth division. I played uh, played a few games for them. That was um, that was the end of, uh, of the career, probably about 92, 93 season. Uh, that was when I when I finished it. And then I just did the non-league scene for a few years and then started doing my coaching badges and ended up coaching at Huddersfield Town Academy for seven years, doing various age groups. My son was obviously coming through then. He was under 10s. Um, he was playing football for a local team, Emily, and then he got he got snapped up by Huddersfield, a, a school of excellence. It was at that stage; it wasn't an academy. Um, so I sort of 
saw him right through till he got a, a scholarship himself at sort of 16. He got a three-year scholarship then and went through to, to, to 19 stroke 20. So, um, yeah, enjoyed the time working with the uh, the club and the kids. I did it various age groups from started off at 12s and then worked my way up doing to sort of 14s and then had a season doing under 16s as well. So um, doing all my coaching badges and UEFA B and then went on to finish my UEFA A. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was just hoping that you might get a break in the game. To In them days, it wasn't as easy to get a job. It was... You know, to, unless you knew someone as a manager that you were going to try and get a full-time job somewhere, then that was always my dream. I thought I might get a, a coaching job somewhere, but it just never materialised. So, and I, I lost a bit of interest there. They sacked the academy director, who I was very friendly with, um, Jerry Murphy at Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. And I thought the club were wrong to do that, and so I stepped away from them. Um, so I didn't carry on the following season. I thought it was a poor decision by them, and so I decided I didn't want to coach at Huddersfield and I, I went and did a, a few years doing non-league at Brighouse Town and uh, with Paul Quinn, who's now Tadcaster manager. And mm-hmm. So I just did the non-league circuit coaching and just keeping your hand in, really. And then, I, and then my son was getting to the age where he was excited. He was always a Fulham fan and he said, Dad, I want to watch Fulham home and away. Can we get as many games in as we can? Obviously, in the championship, there's lots of northern games, so it's fairly easy for us. But many a home game, yeah, we've driven down or we've gone on the train, early morning train to London and come back the same day or stayed at my mum's in Fulham overnight and come back the next morning. So, yeah, we, we, we've done many a season over the last four years. We've done, we would have done 30, 30 plus games, both home and away, um, wow. even midweek ones, you know, which. Um, especially when we were winning in the championship, you want to just keep going and watching yeah. them. It was a little bit more difficult to watch them with any heart in the premiership when we were getting battered most weeks the, the first season. Uh, but it was nice to visit a few grounds that he hadn't visited. There's a few that I'd played at. So, And again, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to this season, grounds that I've not been to for a very long time. So, to, And for him to, uh, like many Fulham fans, there'd be lots of games that I think, oh, you know, Blackpool or Coventry or Luton, you know what I mean? Grounds that they want to tick off their their their, their box that they've, they've actually been to watch a, you know, a Fulham game or a, a professional game. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting as much as it was demoralising four weeks ago. I'm looking forward to having the fixtures out and seeing when they come out in a few weeks' time. You can plan your season, really, and plan your games. Just out of interest, when you when you left Millwall, did you have any words to say to John Doherty or, or as you as you left the door? Um, uh, nothing I could repeat on here. <laughs> I just thought I, I thought I'd ask that because it, I, I'm I, I'm sure I was I was thinking you might have played a Gaza prank on you because you know Gaza was always uh, yeah him and his pranks left him one of those I, a couple of dead fish have, in the back of his car or something like that yeah. <laughs> I did have a bit of a, I did have a bit of a Twitter spat with some uh, Millwall fans last season, <laughs> or who were part of. Um, they were a bit like a podcast, a bit similar to to Russ's, but yeah, they were they were they were. I'd made Rob, a comment about. I, I think I remember this. I think I remember yeah. this. Yeah, uh, they made a comment about something, and and then one fan, this guy who was in charge of the podcast, and that put something like. Who's Robert Wilson? I've never heard of him. I said, "Well, if you're I remember in charge, that. if you're in charge of your show and you're associated with Millwall, I said, have a look at the season that I played there. Only one season. See, I mean, tell me how many games I played and how many goals I scored. 
Anyway, he apologised later on on Twitter and sent me private messages and said, oh, sorry, Rob, I didn't realise, you know, and all I should have done my own work and all that because um, he was sticking out for Doherty that he'd done well, which he did a couple of years after I'd left. They got promotion and they went to the first division, you know, and uh, they, had a, they had a, you know, a bit, a bit like us, probably a one-season wonder up there. But So, yeah, no, it's not. I've got no gripe with Millwall. I, I enjoyed my time playing there. And it, you know, I wouldn't say it was the best year of my life in terms of going to work every day and coming home with a smile on your face. Um, it was great working under George and Theo, who went on to have a great career at Arsenal. I just, oh, I've seen seen George many a time since. I said, well, boss, why didn't you sign me at Millwater from Arsenal? You know what I mean? When you've just left me in the lurch there after signing mm-hmm. a three-year deal, you should have took me to Arsenal, were you? He said, Rob, he said, I did think about it at one stage. He said, when I first went in there, and then I think he got people like uh, Perry Groves in, and he had a few players. He had Paul Davis there. He had... Um, had a few players that were just coming through youngsters at that time. But, um, yeah, no, no gripes about Millwall. But, yeah, um, the doc would probably get uh, get get my volleys worth for, for whatever it's worth. <laughs> so I've got uh, – Russ, we've got uh, – we've got. I know there's some questions in the, the comments. Yeah. So what, what I thought we could probably do is I do, I'm going to give you the same treatment as Ivor here. Um, I'm going to give you some players and just you can just here give we go. One, the one sentence, what do you think? Or how was it? And we had some fun with this last week. Um, some of them, most fans will know, and a couple of them will be a little bit obscure uh, that you might have a laugh about. So, so I've got eight of them. So here's the first one. Um, we, this guy we all love anyway, but uh, Jerry Payton. Yeah, fantastic. Bomhead, as we called him. He had the biggest head in football. Um, <laughs> still keeping contact with him. He's, he's working over in Japan. He's on a different time. He's on our. We've got a legends WhatsApp group. All the player, all the ex players um, that are on it. In fact, Gordon's not on it. I don't know why he's not on it, but he should be on it. Um, there's a number of players. There's about twenty of us are on it. Um, and Jerry's on there, and he obviously with Japan and the time zones and that. He usually replies back to messages the following day. Uh, but yeah, fantastic keeper, brave as a lion as he was them days. You probably remember the Middlesbrough when he got his head cut open and Kevin Lock went in goal. Um, you know, Jerry was a, a very good shot stopper. You know, obviously went on to have a fantastic career with Republic of Ireland. Um, and yeah, at that time, you know, we had obviously had youngsters like Jim Stannard and obviously Perry had left and gone to Brighton, Perry Dickweed, but we'd had Jim, mm-hmm. Jim coming through. But yeah, Bombhead, great guy, great guy, real nice down to earth guy. Sean O'Driscoll. Noisy was a very good friend of mine. Um, he was my roommate in Republic of Ireland. Um, very quiet. Uh, went on to to keep in touch with him still after football. And obviously uh, when he went coaching and managing, I, I remember going to Liverpool when he was working with Brendan a few seasons ago and met him in the players' bar and um, had a catch-up with him then. But yeah, um, he was ungamely the way he, he went past players. Technically... Not the most gifted. He'd come from non-league from Alva Church, but a workman-like right-sided player that was pivotal in in our team of them two or three good seasons we had. Um, yeah, very very quiet. Nick, hence nickname Noisy. <laughs> the late great Roger Brown. Uh, Brown, he was a legend. I used to travel in with him for in a car. We all lived out in Wokenham, and he lived in uh, in Bracknell, and, and uh, with me him and Gary Peters and. Dale Tempest, we'd all come in in the same car. 
um yeah he was a legend and a you know a father figure i looked up to as a, i was still a young kid obviously when i broke into the team he was a he was a mound mountain and you know the goals and the headers he scored and the pictures of the lincoln game and the cigar and the blood and you know, I mean, if I showed you a picture of my wall now, this is my office. I've got all full of memorabilia all over it. So I look up there and I can see Brownie now on the on the, on the balcony there. You know, we're all there celebrating like the, that night of the Lincoln game. It's it's legendary um, with a cup of tea in his hand and a, and a, and a cigar. But yeah, um, a no-nonsense centre-half that can head a ball probably 50 yards. Yeah. Yeah, he, he in the air, he was that good. He was in that, you're right, he was a monster. How, now, this is a bit more obscure. Peter O'Sullivan. Sully, I thought um, the season, or probably two seasons, I don't know how many seasons he did stay with us. I think the first season, obviously, was the 82, 81, 82 season. Um, yeah, he, 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 he struck up a very good relationship with Les on the left-hand side. Very technically, very good. Um was a, a dirty player. He put his foot in. He, you know, he was he was quite nasty for a, for a, as a winger goes. Um, a nice guy. Got on all right with him. No problem. He would, you know, he were a good seasoned pro. Even to you know youngsters like myself who were looking up to to people like that that you were playing alongside. He'd he'd, he'd sort you out. He'd help you out. Um, I think yeah. He probably only, I probably only had one full season with him. I don't know where. I don't know what happened or the season after, um, whether he got left out by Malcolm and he drifted away from the game or went somewhere else. I can't remember, but yeah, I think he done he done a reasonable job for the for the time he was working with us. Glenn Thomas. Glenn Thomas. Glenn Thomas. God, Tomo. Yeah, I mean, Tomo would have been a youngster even when I was a youngster. Going, uh, he was probably more there in my second spell um, in '87. I think he might have come through and was on the peripheral playing a few games and probably did play a few games alongside him you'd have to tell me i'll stand corrected um but yeah tomo was a typical essex flyby boy like you know he came in with all the essex carload again there was a carload of them jim stannard and you know, paul parker and all them they, they all used to come in the same car i mean in the early days it was tony mahoney and stevie atta um, they were they were good lads, and they're all still on the group. Glenn's not on the group, but Stevie and Tony are, and Paul is, and quite a few of the, um, the Essex gang, Dean Coney, they're all still on there. So uh, we do have some banter daily because I I share a lot of stuff that might be on Facebook at Fulham related, and there's a guy on there that does the eighties memorabilia and puts on a lot of photos and that, and I'm for one always putting them on there so the lads see them and they're forever grateful the amount of Fulham fat you know Fulham memories that they still can hold on to you know and uh some of them obviously probably didn't have the longevity of playing for the club so wouldn't associate it like i would as being you know my club you know but even if they'd only had one or two seasons you know so um but yeah we do have some banter on there i'll leave i'll leave the i'll leave the best to last <laughs> Ivor. Ivor, Ivor. well as i say he was um he was a legend and still is and always will be at Fulham. He was prolific goal scorer in them two or three years that I endured, played alongside him. You know, I was probably, uh, I was good for him and he was good for me. Um, the only disappointing thing that, you know, if, if Dixie, me and him had probably scored a few more goals in the end of that season between us or one more, two more, then we probably would have got ourselves over the line. And, and I always, 
I always disagree with Fulham fans to say that Dixie cost us the, the game for the header against Leicester. I think they were wrong because I've seen the picture of it. I'm actually behind him when he's heading it six yards out. Um, but, you know, wrongly so. Some Fulham fans say, oh, Dixie missed too many chances. But he was a great foil for, for Gordon, who was a legend. Obviously went on to have the career he did, even after leaving us a few times to, you know, you don't go to Chelsea or Man City if you're a, if you're not a good player and you know, he was just a prolific goal scorer, um, good at what he was good, very slow in the bar, as, 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 as always last to the bar. So he'll, always, he'll, he'll get ripped to pieces about that, but I'm sure he knows that's the case. I think he does, yeah. Tony Gale was the worst at ripping him, him and Strongly would probably give him a little bit more than I do. I probably, I probably rip him more now. Thirty years later than I did do when I was playing with him. <laughs> I hope he's in, I hope he's watching this now. I'm, I'm waiting uh, for a comment from him. Yeah. <laughs> so Russ, do you want to yes. take us through the the comments thing from the? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, some Ab- great questions here for Rob. Absolutely. Coming up next, we just have a few questions for Rob to end the show. Okay, Rob. Let's get to it. I'll I'll uh, finish this off here and. Um, Michael White actually asked for a shout-out. So, Michael, we're going to give you a shout-out. Yes, you get a shout-out. So, we'll start there. Michael, you get a shout-out. Okay. This is going to be one that actually involves all three of us. Okay? Robert Rossianis, if Scott goes, and it is a big if, if he does go, who would you want instead? Giannis, I'll start with you, and then I'll go to Rob, and then I'll share mine. I'll be honest. If Scotty goes, I'll be mighty pissed. Okay. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Rob on this one. I'm a huge a Scotty fan, and he, and, you know, he made a lot of mistakes this this year, obviously. But he's a young yeah. coach, and this is how player. I mean, if you look at Robbo talking about, for example, his career, whether it's Robbo or Ivor, you start in your right. career at a certain spot at sixteen, seventeen, and where you are at the end of your career is very, very different. And Scotty is just starting in his career, and we're hoping it's going to go twenty, twenty-five years. And and he's a reflect self-reflective coach. So for me. He'll have gone on holiday and it'll be his head be doing this whizzing, and he'll come away as a better coach. I'll be fuming if he leaves because that I think is a big loss because it's better the devil you know. Um, who would I want? I mean, everybody's talking about Eddie Howe. We ain't getting Eddie Howe. Who are we kidding? We're not getting Eddie Howe. He's not have taken Bournemouth up the Premier League to come to the champ. No, he's not. We're not getting Eddie Howe. Who would I want to get? Uh, Brian Clough if he was still alive, but he's not unfortunately. <laughs> Rest his soul. Um, it's funny. I actually like Nigel Clough as a coach. Uh, I, I actually think the setup we have at the cottage and his 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 um, his emphasis on technical development. I think he'd be an int- a very interesting fit in our club. But right now, I don't even want to look beyond Scotty because uh, okay. I just I just fear what might come down the line. Okay, Rob, what are your thoughts about this? We know that you agree with Giannis, but if that yeah. happened, who would you want? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% behind Giannis, and and uh, as as I've always stated, I'm a Scott I'm a Scott lover, and yeah. I, I'd be absolutely devastated if he if he did leave us. Uh, and there's no need for him to leave it because, like like Giannis has said, he's early in his career. He's a good up and coming young English coach. I'm privy to know a lot more that goes on behind the scene and how he works with the players and how they enjoy in uh, in most times uh, his style of management. Yes, uh, and I agree totally with Yanis there that Scott needs to learn by his mistakes, and he has made plenty over the last two seasons. Uh, I think he learned a little bit this year. 
And I think from the previous year, and I think he'll have to learn a lot more again, obviously dropping back down into the championship. But I think it's key that the people above him or the person above him who he's going to work with or the two people above him, obviously the director of um, football as well as director of recruitment, they're the two biggest key areas that any manager needs to have the trust. Totally agree. Totally agree. Trust to work with and have a conversation on a Monday morning, a coffee in the training ground before they go out and say, well, how do you think Saturday went? Or what what was your overview? But you can't have that. And I've said this previously on one of the shows. You did. You can't have that when someone's working in America. You you just can't. You can't have a Zoom call. It's not the same as uh, seeing someone physically on a Monday morning to go in and talk about whatever you need to talk about, whether it's strategy, players, performances, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I wouldn't look no further. You know, um, I mean, I've seen the Eddie Howe things. And uh, and like Yannis says, I don't think you're going to get linked with Celtic and and not get that job. And unless he's that, you know, brave that he wants to go back to where he started with Bournemouth and have a championship uh, and, and see, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even contemplate naming another. I'd be detrimental and I'd be undermining Scott's position. Okay. And it's funny when we did that show, Rob, you and Gordon really convinced me because I was pretty much on Scott should go. And I still feel that way except for this, and you convinced me on this. If you were to get someone in, like you had mentioned, if, you know, I'm going to say it right now, if Tony Khan stepped aside and someone came in that he could talk to on a regular basis, this is what you guys talked about. And also brought in a director of scouting. When you have a, a, a unison team, then I would be all for Scott because then he could actually grow as a manager. So I'm going to bounce ideas off of. Then I'm, I'm for it. I would like anyhow, but you guys are right on that, that I, I don't see that happening based on uh, our situation. Why would you, if you're him, come to Fulham, honestly, unless things were really going to change. But I agree with you guys on Scott on this point. For me, it would have to be that someone would have to step aside, as you said, Rob, someone that is going to be there on a regular basis that he could talk to after each match and really review what's going on. I think he could really use someone like that. And um, along with a director of scouting, I, I you know, yeah. so, so for me, th- that's where I fall on that. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. yeah, yeah they're, the two, they're the two key areas. They're the two yeah. biggest decisions that Fulham need to make this season. Absolutely. It's not, it's not, it's not keeping Scott because Scott's in a job and under contract. Right. He is, are we going to make a decision? We need a director of, uh, of recruitment. And are we going to um, address the director of football role to have a more football orientated right. person in charge? I, I totally agree with that because, again, it's difficult because, you know, you want this manager, we're talking about Parker, to grow. And as we talked about, you know, we, we were suggesting Ray Lewington come on his staff, and, and I think that would be a help. But I also think someone that could he could actually review that would be, like you said, his boss that he could review and just just go over ideas on what happened and learn and really talk about each and every match and really on a day-to-day basis. That's why I'm I'm with you guys on that. Okay, let's move on. I believe Steve mentioned, um, meant you, Rob, but I'm just going to say, do you think you should have scored more goals in your career? Um, I don't think I've done too bad. Uh, I think it's probably about 75-ish. In my career, I mean, whatever, 30-something at Fulham, but scored 12 or 30-something at Huddersfield. Probably 75 in 
whatever, just under 400 games for a midfield player in that day and age. I don't think I've done too bad there, Steve. But yeah, you can always do better. So yeah, I should have scored more. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go with this one. This is uh, this is also from Steve Reynolds, a friend of mine in Spain. Best manager, best player, and best game you played in with, etc. Well, the best manager, uh, I would say, in terms of best manager, I would say would be George Graham. Even the one season I had with him, working with him at um, at Millwall, the best coach I've ever worked with is Ray Harford. Um. The best man manager would probably be Malcolm McDonald because we never used to see him. He was just let, let you do what you want. Monday or Friday, he'd turn up on a Friday, play five sides, and that were it. Um, best game you played it, or best player, best player I played. I always, I always stick by. I know it was a, it was a teammate of mine, and he was a very good friend of mine. But I think the player that I enjoyed playing most with was Ray Alton because okay. I saw him blossom from. You know, a reserve team player at West Ham to go and grace the the field and score a goal against England for Republic of Ireland and represent Liverpool, Aston Villa, uh, and have a fantastic career. You know what I mean? And, and it was great to so I would say. But uh, you know, I, again, technically the best player when I was at Luton, Ricky Hill was the most skillful player I'd ever played with or, or alongside. Um, a very nice player, um, hardest player. Well, there were a few soon as when we played Liverpool a few <laughs> times, gave me a tough time. Uh, and there used to be a lad at Portsmouth called Mick Kennedy. Again, God rest his soul, he's died. He uh, he done me over the top a few times. Uh, my only one sending off in my professional career wow. was um, was against Portsmouth on a Friday night. And it was down to him because he'd, uh, he'd wound me up that much. And um, coming off at half time, he said, uh, I'm going to do you. So I said, right. Anyway, I have a kicked off, knocked the ball to me, and I, I just knocked it a little bit too far in front. And I saw him coming at me, Kennedy. It was a Friday night. We played Pompey. And I just went straight over the ball and took him out. I didn't even wait to see the red card. I started walking back towards the tunnel. Bobby Campbell was coming down the tunnel with a cup of tea in his hand. He said, where are you going, Willow? I said, sorry, boss, I've just been sent off. Well, he, he hit the roof after the game and gave me a week's wages fine. We lost... And we lost 1-0. Oh, wow. Uh, so that was my only sending off in my career. Wow. How about best game, Rob? Best game? Um, there'd be a few. Obviously, the Lincoln game was the best game in terms of um, drama and that for Fulham. I would say Newcastle is up there, what Yanis said, 4-1. You know, the, the 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 coverage that we got, that, you know, the Supermac team going back to Newcastle and being the... I, I've actually yeah. seen the highlights of that. I actually watched the highlights of that. That's yeah, pretty fantastic. Gordon, Gordon and Ray both got two goals that were in goal of the season that year. You know, obviously Gordon's uh, nice one and two touch football that we all were involved and Ray got that great chip. Um so two of them goals were were in the um, goal of the season or goal of the month for that season when we were. Um, so that was a great, great, great game to be uh, part of. Obviously, making my debut for for Luton in the first division was was nice. Um, you know, it's always a Philip to say that you have graced the Premiership or the first as it was in them days. Um, but listen, every game I represented Fulham, whether it be home or away, it was was always a you know was always a pleasure to be um, to be part of, whether whether it was good or bad. Oh, that's great. That's great, Rob. All right, let's wrap this up. Giannis, any final thoughts before we leave? Fantastic interview, Rob. You were absolutely brilliant. 
And I, I, I just, I just, I keep thinking about the John Doherty thing because it, it and because uh, yeah, I can imagine the reaction in your face. And it's sort of funny when you talk about John. I mean, John Fashion, who was, he was a beast. Oh, he he's really a was. Yes. He was, yeah. And and um, and Teddy Sharing, I mean, what a fantastic. Because I think he wasn't he up front. He established um, Teddy with um, Tony Cascarino. Right, yeah, he did. Yeah, well, obviously, when I left after I left that season, uh, Tony came in and Teddy ended up. You know, that's when they went on to have them good two or three years and won the championship, mm. and then went into the Premiership. And they brought Terry Erlock in and Terry had Les Pryor. Yeah, they had. Um, yeah, they had some Keith Stevens, Rhino, who went on to be manager, play right back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, 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 yeah, they had some, they had some stars of of that day, and um, it's a club that's, you know, tarnished with, you know, some good history and some off the park, let's say, bad history, you know. So, and it's never been no different, and probably, you know, it's obviously slightly different now with the new ground and the old end, but yeah, it's. Um, it's a year that I'll I always reflect on and don't mind talking about, but it wasn't the one year that I I enjoyed. Uh, I wouldn't say enjoyed personally, because it was still a you know a pleasure to play professional football. Then score twelve in thirty six games is no mean feat, you know. It's a great, um, but it wasn't it wasn't one that you enjoyed going to work every day and you know working with George was good. That was the only good thing. It's just the six or eight weeks tarnished it a bit working under John Doherty in that preseason when he. He made it a little bit uncomfortable for me. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's it's a, Mill was an interesting club. I mean, because I used to, um, I, I did uh, spend some of my formative years in Bermondsey, and uh, that's a, it's a tough area. It's a t- mm. it's a really really tough. It's no, there's no, and it's 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 changed a little bit, but not too much. And uh, Millwall supporters are reflective of that. They're a good old honest club. They, they are. I mean, I, 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 you know, I would go down the old Kent Road to a few pubs after a game and mm-hmm. have a few drinks with supporters. You know, they love you. They, they're the, the best supporters in the world when you're winning. You know what I mean? And they'll, <laughs> they'll take take you in. And you know what I mean? It's, it was. Um, you were talking to a few characters in the pubs that I was visiting in them days. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. It's Ross. It, it, it's an adventure. Let's put it that way. I know you've you've it's told me you've actually told me on several occasions about about Millwall. You've told me yeah. about that, so <laughs> that it, doesn't a, surprise me. I had a very close. Oh, well, he's still a very close friend of mine, Edison, and he's a season ticket holder um, at Millwall, and he's and he's uh, Nigerian heritage. And uh, you'd understand the angst around that when you know some of the reputation of Millwall supporters. But Eddie's a big, a really big boy, so you don't you don't go near him. Otherwise, he'll he'll squash you. But, um, you know, he used to tell me about some of the games when they had black players and where, the you know, the Millwall fans would turn on them. And it's such a shame because they've played yeah. like John Fashion. Who, who, you they know, turned on Fash when I, when I were playing yeah. there. They would, boo, they would boo Fash, throw, throw bananas on Bananas, yeah. It just, it just, and, and that it, was our own, our own players. And these were good. These are, these are good players. I mean, Fash yeah. was, Fash, Fash, he and his Fash brother, was, you yeah. know, were, they were brilliant for Millwall because he was a typical Millwall battering type player. That's what they liked. And then he won an <laughs> FA Cup with Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. He won an 88 with uh, Vinnie Jones and the Crazy Gang. Good God. Yeah, yeah. Mad. yeah. Mental <laughs> lot. So, no, it's been wonderful. Robbo, it's been absolutely wonderful. No, it's wonderful. been great. No, no, I, need pleasure, to find out, I need to find out more about uh, Ivor and his spending habits because this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Listen, listen, I, I don't think I'll ask him to buy a round in the new stadium uh, bar when they open because I don't think you'll get change out. I don't think you'll get change out of a tenner for the first pint. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I, I love the two of you, but listen, great stuff, Rob. Thank you so much for doing this tonight. No problem. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap Robo. this up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Rob. Cheers. We're, thank you. We're going to wrap this up for our very special guest. Rob Wilson, Fulham legend, and Giannis Janais. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.